0: Thank you so much for joining us for this Journey Through the Book of Romans by Pastor Sumiko Stroud of Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center located in Bremen, Georgia. To find out more information about our ministry, just log on to www.kingdomrock.org. And now here is Pastor Sumiko Stroud with Part 4, Journey Through the Book of Romans. All
1: right, we want to always pray when we go into studying the Word of God. Uh, for understanding, because if not, you can get tangled up in there, can't you, and get all confused and twisted and, and not figure out what in the world is going on, so we want to always pray before we study, and sometimes when you read a passage, you may have to go back and read it again, and then you may have to go back and read it again, and then you have to, may have to pull out a different translation and read it again, and then you have to go sometimes and pull out your commentaries. And read it again. And so that's what we're doing uh, with the book of Romans. And then sometimes it's good to be able to, after you've done all that, sit down and discuss it with somebody. Because that's when you really know if you've gotten a hold of something, if you can have a, you know, reasonably intelligent conversation with somebody else and not get it all mixed up in your head. Have you ever done that, thought you knew something? And then when you get ready to explain it to somebody else? you have to stop and say, I'm sorry, I don't know what I'm talking about. (laughs) That didn't come out quite right. It it sounded so much better in my head. So that's why it's good for us to have uh, Bible studies uh, with each other in this type of setting uh, we have in Sunday school. All right, we're going to jump right on into uh, Romans. Now, last week, we talked about why do we need salvation, and we came at it from the point of view uh, uh, Psalm 14. The fool says in his heart, "There is no God." Uh, we talked about how you can, how creation tells us that there was some kind of creator. When we look just outside at the way things are, the seasons, how the life cycles, um, when we look at the human body, how it operates, um, when we look at um, the universe, the galaxies, the planets, all of that lets us know that there was some creator, some in the beginning, something, someone. And Psalm says a fool in his heart says there is no God because there are some of us, and when I say us, I mean yeah, mankind, uh, people who will look around at all of that and come to the conclusion, because, you know, we can both look at the same thing and we can all interpret it differently. So some people haven't observed all that there is in the world have come to the conclusion that there either is no God, that it all just happened on its own, or they've concluded that there is something out there that did it, but I don't really know what. And some have said that we are our own gods. right? I am the highest authority in my life. They've come to those conclusions, that I can decide and do what I want to do. I'm answerable to no one but me. Now, we can come to that conclusion without making that statement based on how we live as though we are answerable to no one but us. And some have taken um, things that are in creation and fashioned gods uh, into that or they've worshipped the creature more than the creator. We've worshipped animals or stuff, tangible things that we can produce ourselves. So this week we're going to say, okay, so we, we learned last week So that is the heathen, the one who has traded the truth of God for the lie. And we see where they're in need of salvation because the wrath of God uh, has been let loose, says that God turned them over, and by that uh, means that he stepped back and said, okay, if that is what you want, have what you will. Do what you're going to do, but be prepared uh, to face the consequences of your actions. And when he says that, he says that to society as a whole, to mankind as a collective, you live the life you want to live, serve whatever God it is you want to serve, uh, but be prepared to handle what it is you let loose in this world. And when we look around, we can see the death and destruction that is in our society, right? And we all have to deal with that. Whether or not you may have personally done anything because we're all part of the collective we are all paying the penalty or paying the price for sin so today we're going to talk about somebody a little different now these this group of people have said I'm, i you know i realize that there's a god and all of that you know, list of sins that paul mentioned at the end of chapter one you know we look around and say yeah the heathen they ought to go to hell because they do this do that and do that you know sort of thing so we're going to tackle the self-righteous group today And it's kind of easy to fall into that group because you realize I know that there is a God even as we go back to, you know, and say sometimes we may want to point at people and say you're a fool because you don't. So we're going to have to be careful today that we don't become self-righteous. And the verse that always, the the passage of Scripture when I think about this, that always comes to mind is Luke 18, verses 10 through 14. And I don't know why every time I read it, it just makes me smile. Because I can just picture, you know, us doing this kind of thing. So easy to do it. All right, it says, Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all I possess. And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Now, you don't have to answer this out loud. But how many times have we, who know God, who are Christians, have looked down our noses at somebody else and say, I thank God that I'm not like them. I don't do that. I don't do I don't steal, I don't lie, I don't sleep around, I don't do this, I don't do that. I'm glad that I'm not like them. Because y'all going to hell when you die. <laughs> I go to church, I read my Bible, I pray, I tithe, I help the needy. I am so wonderful, you all should want to be like me. Now, we may not have stood up before God and said those words, but how many of us have had that attitude? I've done it. And we have to be careful about that, don't we? Because what the word tells us is that we may not have done those things, but we've done something. We've done something. And that's what we pick up in chapter 2. Paul says, therefore, having read all of what we read in chapter 1 about the, the, the ungodly or the unrighteous, uh, he says, therefore, you are inexcusable, O man, whoever you are who judge. Now, O man, again, we're talking about mankind, uh, the collective as a society. So this applies to men, women, children, all of us inexcusable without excuse uh, without defense Uh, whoever you are who judge for in whatever you judge another you condemn yourself for you who judge practice the same things now we may not do the exact same things but we do things that are equally offensive to God and when we put ourselves in the position to judge others We're condemning ourselves because we are then putting ourselves in a position to be judged, right? So we may judge people by our standards. You're not holy because you're not like me, but what we're doing is putting ourselves in a position to be judged by God where he says, you're not like me, right? (laughs) And who wants to be in that position, right? Well, we are judged not by each other, but by God. So you want to play with the big dogs, you better be ready, right? So I would much rather just look at my own self. And let's not worry, because all we can see are what's going on, the things going on on the outside of people. God sees the heart. And he is giving each of us an opportunity to turn our lives toward him. That's why we need salvation, so that we can escape uh, the wrath of God. We don't want to put ourselves in a position to be judged. Now, quick little funny story I heard. There was this lady, (laughs) bless her heart, Uh, she was in a hurry, running late. You ever been running late? You know, you get a little frazzled. Well, she had a plane to catch, so she's zipping through the airport. She was hungry, hadn't had a chance to get anything to eat, so she made a quick little stop, you know, one of those little kiosk places or whatever little places in the airport got herself a newspaper magazine something to keep her occupied and a pack of cookies something she'll eat when she got on the plane so she gets on the plane she's running she's frantic crazy she finds her seat and there's an empty seat uh... in the middle there and there's a guy sitting on her row by the window so she sits on the aisle seat puts her pocketbook and all her stuff in that middle seat and finally just sort of relaxes you know you made it and you just relax So they're going on through the flight, and she decides she's going to open up her cookies. So she reaches over in the seat, grabs a pack of cookies, opens them up, pops one in her mouth. The man who's sitting at the edge of the row by the window turns, looks over at her for a few seconds, looks down at the cookies, picks one up, puts it in his mouth, and turns back to look out the window. And she's going, what? No, he didn't just get one of my cookies, he didn't ask. How you just, no home training, no, so in her mind, you know how we do, she's running him down, judging him by, you, you know, he wasn't brought up right, his mom and daddy wasn't nothing, he ain't going to be nothing, you just can't go taking somebody's cookies, especially if you paid the airport prices for some cookies. <laughs> so they keep on going, and she eats another cookie, and after a while, he grabs another cookie, and he's just eating, and she's like, oh, now he's just going to keep on eating my cookies. So he's just eating cookies, and she, he's eating cookies, and she's like, he's going to eat all my cookies. So they get to the last one, and, she, and uh, she's thinking, surely he's not going to get my last cookie. But well, sure enough, he reaches over and picks it up. He breaks it in half. He gives her half. He eats the other half. And she's just beside herself, but, you know, she's not going to say anything so the plane lands and she's like I just better hurry and get off this plane before I give this man a piece of my mind I can't believe he has sat there he never even said thank you or nothing so she gets off the plane and she's going to the next place where she needs to go and she opens her pocketbook to get out her boarding pass and lo and behold what's in her purse the pack of cookies she bought and so there she was thinking he was the one when all of a sudden you know she was eating his cookies So you have to be careful when we are passing judgment on somebody because there's always something that we are doing that we may not be aware of. That's why it's so dangerous to judge, right? She's sitting here thinking all this stuff about him and there's no telling what was going through his mind, but at least he was willing to share, right? He even just picked up his last cookie and gave her part of it. So y'all think about that when we are judging other people. Now, We know that the judgment of God is according to truth against those who practice such things. Let's leave the judging to God, okay? All right, verse 3. And do you think this, O man, mankind, you who judge those practicing such things and you doing the same, that you will escape the judgment of God? Do we think that we will? Hebrews chapter 2, verse 3 tells us, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him. Salvation is the only way out. Otherwise, if there had been another way, why would Christ have gone the way of the cross? Think about in your own lives. When we have to do something, if there is an easier, faster way, don't you take it? If you're going to get the exact same result, wouldn't you take it? And, and we are just who we are. We don't, you know, are not the mind of God. If there had been another way, he would have allowed us to take the other way. But there was no other way. There is no other way. Salvation is the only way of escape. Okay? All right. Now, in our society and in our legal system, there are just a few ways that you can escape if you have committed some kind of offence, offense, if you break the law. First of all, if you never get caught. If, if nobody ever discovers um, your offense, if, no, if you steal something but nobody ever realizes you have stolen it, then, you know, you can get away with it. Or if you flee the jurisdiction and hide. You know, like they say, there's some non-extraditing countries. You break a law over here. If you can get to one of those places, they won't send you back. But you got to stay over there and not get any trouble, you know, with them while you're there. So you can escape, you know, the judgment of the legal system that way. So you can do something and it never be discovered, or you can go somewhere where the court system can't reach and stay there, or you can get off on some kind of technicality. You know, you be tried, uh, but there's, for some reason, somebody didn't read you your rights, something, 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 and you may get out of it that way. Or... You can be tried, convicted, in prison, and escape. And once you escape, never get caught again. And then you're free from whatever went on. None of those are available to us when it's time to face the judgment of, of Christ, the judgment of God. When we stand before God, we are guilty of sin. We can't hope that He won't find out. Amen, 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 right? Amen. There's no chance of that. There's nowhere we can go. There's no country you can go to that God can't come and get you. His jurisdiction is everywhere, right? Even if you decide to, I'm going to go and just fly to the moon, and I'm going to stay on the moon, and that's where I'm going to die, on the moon, so that God can't get me. There's no jurisdiction we can go to, right? Nowhere. There's not going to be any technicalities, right? You know, I just love that from the... um, that movie, I am the law. He, he is the law. So there is no, there's no technicality. There is no, I didn't know, right? There's not going to be, they didn't tell me, or this wasn't proper, or this person didn't do that. So there's not going to be that, right? And I don't believe that any of us are going to have the skills necessary to escape the lake of fire. Do you think? I don't think we're going to be able to break out. Now, in movies, there's always somebody who can escape hell, but I don't believe we're going to be able to pull that one off. So I think it's going to be better that we take the method that he has made available to us, salvation, the only way of escape, Uh, because with salvation, it's not that we're escaping. Someone else has has stood in our place and is taking the penalty. So we're not getting out of it someone else is taking our place, right? There is a debt of sin that must be paid and we can either accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior and allow him to pay the price or we can stand on our own and pay the price, right? Now, if you've gone grocery shopping in the last few whatever weeks, you realize that groceries are rather expensive. And if you're trying to feed, you know, let's say, I don't know, a family of four, your grocery bill is going to be somewhere upwards of about $200. And that is, you know, eating, you know, just sort of meagerly almost. (laughs) That's not a bunch of steak, right? Now, I can fill my buggy up with all this stuff. We got to eat, right? It's just you got to eat. And, you know, sin is a penalty that's got to be paid. It's a debt that's owed. We just, it's done. It's owed. You know, it's, it's got to be paid. I can pull up uh, to the register, and I can give them my uh, credit card, my debit card, to pay the $200 for the groceries. But now if Connie's in line behind me, and she's saying, you yeah, know, I'll pay it, I've already, I've already given them, um, a voucher with your name on it and all you got to do is tell them that I'm here uh under Connie's authority and they won you won't have to pay anything now which one do you think I'm going to choose Connie sent me <laughs> she said she was covering all this all I have to do I just have to be associated be willing to be associated with Connie right while I'm in the in front of, Connie Kelly, you don't know, know where she lives? I can give you your phone number. She sent me. I don't have to pay. And that's what we can do. I'm accepting Jesus. He sent me. I, he's, he's taking care of it. He said he would take care of it. I'm going to be associated with him. I don't have to pay. But for those who want to be independent, I don't need anybody. To, to, I can take care of myself. Fork over your credit card, right, and be willing to pay the debt which if you had $200 in the bank that you didn't need for anything else, may not be a problem for you. But if you're like me and think, I could use that money for something else, I got it. But if she's willing to pay it, so there is no way of escape except for salvation. Okay. Let's keep moving on. Now, or Also in verse 4, Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? Now, instead of judging people for what they are doing, we instead don't despise uh, the plan of God, the fact that his goodness and forbearance, that he is willing to love people and give them the opportunity to repent. He gave each of us the opportunity to repent. Think about how old you were when you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You had that much time to repent. And some people won't repent until they're on their deathbed. But if he's okay with it, what's it to me? What they're doing is offensive to him. It's not offensive to me. So why spend my time passing judgment on them and saying, this is what's going to happen to you when you die. There's been a way of escape. If you're going to tell somebody that, only telling them in the context of, if you don't change, this is where that road leads. But you don't have to go down that road. Amen. Right? Amen. So we don't put people in hell, but we let, you know, are letting everybody know there is a way of escape for what we're all destined to do, to go. And that way is Salvation. And it's available to all of us. It doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, what evil you've done in your life. Even when we think, you know, we have in our minds varying degrees of who should be able to, you know, experience salvation. In our minds, there are some sins that are just so evil, so wicked, you know, that they ought to be locked away in a special place. You know, people say, there's going to be a special place in hell for you not if they repent if they live you know 60 years doing the most vile thing that you can do on this earth and they repent they're going to be standing next to you (laughs) and so you know we have to be mindful of what we're doing when we're putting ourselves above somebody else saying I thank you God that I'm not like him and God's thinking yeah you are I had to die for you too Right? Yes, ma'am. I had a great uncle who gave up his church who went to to go and preach to death row. And I I said, Uncle Vernon, Uncle Vernon, why would
0: you talk to them? They deserve to go to hell. They murder people that they're still and they're evil. And so simply he goes, I don't get
1: to choose. That's right. We don't get to choose. And aren't you glad that God didn't choose? Because we may not have done some of those things, but think of the things we have done. And what if God decided, well, you know, that's that's, that's just too much. I'm not going to put up with that from you, because you've done it not once, not twice, but you've done it every week of your life for the past 20 years, and I'm just, you know, that's too much. Because we all have you know, boiling points so where you say, you cross this line, you ain't go no further. That's just, and we will write people off and say, I am had it. I gave you opportunities to change and you ain't changed. You're never going to change and I'm done with you and we will walk away. I'm so glad that God doesn't do that. Amen. That he will forbear, he will wait. Amen. He will hold back his judgment, giving us yet another day. Every day that we wake up and open our eyes is another day well, we have the chance to make it right with God, to repent and say, and it doesn't have to be a long drawn out prayer. It's a simple thing. Now there will be uh where there will be rewards handed out in heaven based on what you've done in your service to the Lord. But salvation is not that way. It's not about how long you were saved or what you did while you were saved. It's that you know, the building was burning, you got out before it burned to the ground. (laughs) Doesn't matter if you were on the first floor and you got out when you first smelled the smoke or if you were on the fifth floor and you come diving out the window as the flames were engulfing your tennis shoes, you got out, right? So it's not up, up to us to decide who's worthy of salvation. It's open to all of us. We all... Uh, have offended God and we all have the same right to be saved right we all have the same need to be saved and then Paul addresses uh, the Jews who because they had the law uh, you know and they are you know God's chosen that they felt like that they were in a better position than anybody else because God has entrusted us with his word not like the Gentiles And so then Paul lets them know, okay, well, hypocrites, boy, that's a word for you, isn't it? Okay, so now you had the law and you know it and you can teach it to other people, but are you living it? Were you doing what you were supposed to do? But they weren't. And so which is better? Somebody who'd been entrusted with the law, written down, given to you, taught generation after generation who doesn't do it, of the person who didn't have the law rent, but written and given to them, but in their hearts, because in our hearts, when we're born, whether before you even read the Bible, you know that there are some things that are just not right to do. We just know. So which is better? The person that in their heart, their conscience, um, accuses them, and they know, "I shouldn't do this thing," and they don't, as opposed to the person who has it right here, you definitely know. You shouldn't do this thing. And you teach that you shouldn't do this thing, but you do it anyway. There's no partiality with God. He's no respecter of persons. We are all eligible to receive salvation. We're all in need of salvation. So he's telling them you are no better uh, than them in some aspects, possibly worse, because you were giving um, the Gentiles, who was everybody who wasn't a Jew, you were giving them a reason uh, to not acknowledge God because of how you were living. When we live a life as a hypocrite, when we do things that we know are against God, when we walk around and we have our big crosses on our chest and we carry our you know, big Bibles and we know the words to every praise and worship song and everything out of our mouth is glory to God, hallelujah, praise him. And- When we go and do something that is against God, that's a mockery, right? A slap in the face. More so than somebody who's not even, you know, if they're not even professing to be saved and they do what's wrong, well, what more do you expect? I'm a law unto myself. I'm doing what makes me feel good. But when I say that I have accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and then I go out and live like a fool, which is worse, how are you going to say that, I, that you're better than them because you had the law? Amen. You didn't follow it. Amen. And because of that, you were turning other people from it. Because it does that, doesn't it? Doesn't it sort of leave a, a bad taste in your mouth when you see somebody that should know better and who's telling you, and we were watching this movie, and this lady, she was supposed to be a Christian, she was sleeping around with this man, and, you know, she trying to witness to him one day and sleeping with him the next. And, you know, and he knew it. He was like, are well, you doing all this preaching to me? and You, you know, you taking stuff from me and living with me. And then she decided to get, you know, how we get all you know, indignant because she found out he was married. How dare you not tell me you were married? What? Well, you knew I wasn't married to you, but you were still willing to do whatever. I mean, you know how we say there's some lines you just don't cross. And, and church people sometimes will do that. You can do whatever you want as long as you don't do this thing. Because, you know, that's just too far. And that just leaves a bad taste in the mouth for somebody who's out on the outside looking in, trying to find God. When we're here saying, he's this way, he's this way on, you know, Sunday, but the rest of the week, you know, we're living just like they are. And they're like, well, that can't be right. Because if they're even, even they know there must be a change. There should be a change. And then, Uh, He talks about circumcision. We're going to get ready to wrap it up for today. Circumcision. Now, you all, everybody know what it means to be circumcised. If you don't, that's a discussion you can have with somebody else after service, not me. (laughs) Look it up. Anyway, as um, sort of a a badge or an outward sign, uh, the Jews, the uh, young boys, babies, baby boys were circumcised. And that was like... um, an outward sign that they were believers and followers, that they had the mosaic law, the law of Moses, you know, the law of God from or through Moses. And that was that outward sign. Now, the people around them, the non-Jews, typically were not circumcised. And so that was the difference. They knew, you know, that you were a believer and it was supposed to, uh, excuse me, symbolize that they were a believer, that they were a follower. And so he says, what good is it to be circumcised to say that you are a follower and a believer if you're going to break the law anyway. Because then it's like a mockery to God. Um, And another example that we can use for today is the wedding ring. Aren't they so nice? And some people, yeah, a wedding ring symbolizes that you're married. right? Otherwise, just a piece of jewelry. I mean, it's a ring. If you put it on any other finger, it's just a piece of jewelry, right? But if you put it on, you know, your... Ring finger on your left hand, that's supposed to let the world know that I have entered into a commitment with one person and I'm only going to carry myself in a marriage-type relationship with that one person. Now, I don't walk around with my marriage license. People don't ask to see it. You know, you don't have, like, your driver's license. Nobody pulls you over and says, let me see your marriage license, let me prove. You You don't have to carry that around. My ring is supposed to say that. But now, if I take my rings off, Am I all of a sudden single? It doesn't work like that, does it? I am no less married with my rings off. And some days I don't wear them based on what kind of work I'm going to be doing. And some men, you know, they work construction, whatever you can't, some jobs you can't wear one. But that doesn't make me any less married, right? I'm still in a covenant. I have stood before God and whoever, family and witnesses, and said that I am going to be united till death do me part to this person through whatever, goodness, badness, whatever, that I am forsaking all others. Some people don't even know what's in their vows. Forsaking all others, and I'm going to cling to this one person, not just on their good days, but also on their bad days. Now, it makes a mockery out of marriage if I go somewhere and start behaving as an unmarried woman. If y'all were to go somewhere to a restaurant and see me just all googly-eyed over some guy, and it wasn't my husband, then y'all would be like, well, wait a minute, there's something wrong. And you have enough people doing that, and then you have the idea or the belief like it is today when supposedly the divorce rate is 50%. Some people don't respect marriage at all. What's the point? Nobody's going to honor the vows. Why even do it? Same thing he was telling them with circumcision. That was supposed to be the outward sign that you had a particular belief, uh, that you had made a commitment in your heart. But if you're going to live like those who haven't made that commitment, what good is the circumcision? Rather than it be a physical thing, rather than just me putting rings on my finger, I need to be married in my heart, right? I need to be committed in my heart because then it doesn't matter where I am or who I'm with or what's going on. I know nobody has to remind me. You ever had to remind somebody they were married? There's already a breakdown. If you don't remember <laughs> and what that means, there's already something up. Amen. And so he letting I didn't know. It's more than just the physical circumcision. Same thing with being baptized. If you haven't made that decision in your heart to be committed to God, then us throwing you down in some water and bringing you back up is not going to do anything for you. But what it will do is make a mockery to those who've seen it because you are telling them, I am associating myself with God. I am turning my life around. I am repentant. I'm going to follow Christ. And then when you don't, that makes them wonder, what is it all for? If there's no change so better before we do the physical act, let's let there be some change in our heart. God knows our heart. People can't see our heart, but what goes on in our heart will show itself with our actions because I'm married in my heart. I know that I'm not available to anybody else walking by. So when I'm going by, if somebody whistles and says, hey, pretty, hey, something, something, well, they can't possibly be talking to me. I'm a married woman. I don't turn around. That's not, who, that's not for, because even if they are, why turn around and give them a sliver of hope? This is off the market. You know what I'm saying? So we have to think about, so when Satan dangles some sin out there, hey, hey, psst, psst, why turn around? I am off the market. I don't even want to know what goods you're selling because it doesn't matter to me. I'm already committed to another in my heart. All right, we are going to go ahead and end for today. Thank y'all so much for being a part of our Sunday School lesson. You are dismissed.
0: We pray that you are richly blessed by today's message. We would love to connect with you. Just go to our website at kingdomrock.org. You can become our friend on Facebook, Or follow us on Twitter and subscribe to our YouTube channel and a whole lot more. Right there at KingdomRock.org. We would love to hear from you. And if you're in the Bremen area, please stop by and join us every Sunday morning. Sunday school is at 9 a.m. and Sunday morning is at 10. Wednesday night we have what's called Hour of Power. It starts at 6.30 p.m. All are invited. We're located at 180 Helton Road in Bremen, Georgia